Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Good Friday morning. It is December 31st. My name is Field Yates. I am joined by Courtney Cronin. You see her covering the Vikings and all over ESPN Radio. Courtney, it is the final day of 2021. We have finally made it. Oh, I can't wait to punt this year into the sun, Field. This yes. was, there were moments that were 2022. Redux, I think, and yeah. I, I think a lot of us are ready just to hope that 2022 brings some um, some changes. But man, it, I mean, what a year it's been! I cannot believe how quickly, in spite of everything that we've gone through this year, how quickly this one won. It does feel like it has fl- flown by, and certainly feels like the case once football season begins. We've got plenty of football talk on the show today, both college and the NFL. We've got all kinds of news surrounding quarterbacks and their future. Will they stay or will they go? But a reminder, the Keyshawn J. Will and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. And all guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We've got some good ones today, college football, professional football, you name it. We'll talk about it. But it's time now for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Courtney, you and I both make our living most primarily covering the NFL. And Week 17 is not the final week of the NFL season anymore, as we now have 17 games in 18 weeks. But we do have a critical Week 17 on tap. And Courtney, I've been using this analogy that if the NFL – were to have a college game day equivalent and a show that traveled to a game each week to the biggest game of the week, I believe that show would be in Cincinnati on Sunday mm-hmm. when the Chiefs play the Bengals in Cincinnati. Can you? I, mean, I was trying to think about this. This is the Bengals' biggest game since fill in the blank. i got to figure since at least when Andy Dalton and the Bengals are going to the playoffs almost every single year under Marvin Lewis. Yeah, and that's the thing that we've – been cautious about this year when they start out five and two you still have pundits saying well slow your roll here we've seen this Bengals team have hot starts before and then they kind of stumble at points in the season they may get their way into the playoffs but then they exit quickly this Bengals team feels different than that and I and I mean they can clinch the AFC North this week this has been the tightest race we've seen in 44 years in that division which is absolutely wild that you still have the Ravens who are going to be without Lamar Jackson this week because he's hobbled and probably be turning to Tyler Huntley they're still in this thing they're trying to fight their way into the postseason you have the Steelers from a with a puncher's chance trying to get themselves into the mix too and I mean obviously They're going to be scoreboard watching and doing all the things that they can to hope that the Chiefs win that game to prevent Cincinnati from locking up the division because once that happens, that puts their playoff chances. uh, They look pretty bleak at that point. So, I mean, this is a big one. I, I don't think there's a better receiving trio in the NFL right now than what you see in Cincinnati. And coming off that 525 yard performance last week, Joe Burrow is rising in everybody's quarterback rankings, so it's a big one. Yeah, and that includes, by the way, the quarterback rankings of Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola, who had (laughs) this to say about Joey B. This may sound crazy, but I see a young Tom Brady. This guy does everything. He does not look like a second-year quarterback that missed a lot of his first year. Totally impressed with him. Began the meeting on Tuesday. You know, we were just finishing up on the last game, but began the meeting talking about Joe, because I think he's that good. All the weapons we've talked about and all that, uh, but you got to have a quarterback that can get it done, and he really does. Uh, we've got to try to find out some ways to make him uncomfortable. Uh, easier said than done. 
Yeah, I agree with basically everything Steve Spagnuolo said because, heck, he's a defensive coordinator. I'm just a guy talking about football on the radio. But, Courtney, I think a lot of the rhetoric this week has turned into where Joe Burrow stacks amongst mm-hmm. other elite quarterbacks in the NFL. We tend to do this thing where we put the cart before the horse, right? We forget about what guys have done over multiple years. But the fact that Joe Burrow is already being discussed in or near the top five of NFL quarterbacks, I think, is a testament to his ascension do you think Sunday, though, is like a prove-it moment for you? Like when you watch Joe Burrow, have you seen it? Are you ready to propel him into that same class? Maybe not quite at the Patrick Mahomes level, but a tier below. Or do you feel like we're, we're being a little bit a prisoner of the moment after he threw for 525 yards against the Ravens this past week? Yeah, four touchdowns, no interceptions in that game. He was nearly perfect. And I think you look at how that production came and when it came, that he was still throwing bombs, especially that one to Joe Mixon down by the the end zone way at the end of the game. I think we are all prisoners of the moment, just, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when we look at quarterbacks and, of course, the Burrow and Justin Herbert conversation, we've talked about it all week on ESPN Radio. Who would you rather build a franchise around? And, it's it's fun to do it now because these are second-year quarterbacks, right? And you're starting to see that production at critical moments where you have Joe Burrow taking the Cincinnati team that we didn't really know how things were going to go these first couple years after we saw Zach Taylor take that franchise over. And now they're on the cusp of locking up the AFC North. So, of course, we're going to put a little bit more weight on Joe Burrow, him making this late surge at the end of the season. It's not like we're throwing him truly into the MVP mix among like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all that. But he's playing really well right now. I mean, I think the comments from Spags were – Far different, in a far different tone than what Wink Martindale said last week with the gold jacket comments. So that's kind of fun. We all throw that into the mix when we're talking about Joe Burrow and what he did to the Ravens. Granted, their secondary was completely depleted, but it's impressive. It's impressive nonetheless. Like what you do throw for 525 yards, you're going to be talked about all week. Leading into the next game, you just kind of hope that that doesn't throw you off and potentially, you know, build you up a little bit too much when you have to go against a pretty good Chiefs pass defense. This game to me feels like the Bengals opportunity. It's almost like you want to get led into the club. You got to win this game on Sunday, because Mm -hmm. if you do, then all of a sudden we're talking about you in a much different tone. We're talking about them potentially as like the biggest threat, maybe right. with the Bills, to yeah. the Chiefs in the postseason. That's right. You, I think your, your conversation for a number of teams that can legitimately win the AFC mm-hmm. expands if ba- the Bengals win on Sunday. If you lose, then I think we're saying to ourselves, great story, love to see the progress, but maybe they're a year away from being a team that's truly in the mix because they would be 9-7. and seven. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the Steelers still have life in that division. The Ravens still have life in that division. And amazingly, Courtney, the Browns do as well. All four teams entering Week 17 still have a shot to win the AFC North. I can't imagine there have been too many instances where with just two (laughs) weeks left in the season, all four teams have life. And it's noteworthy to mention not just what the Bengals and the rest of the AFC North path is, but some of the playoff clinching scenarios for those that don't have the calculator out at all times. Here is what's in play for a variety of different teams in Week 17. The Packers can clinch the number one seed and home field advantage in the NFC. They need to win and have Dallas lose to Arizona, which is not that far-fetched. Mm-hmm. The Rams clinch the NFC West with a win and a Cardinals loss to Dallas. So someone could very well be smiling between Green Bay and Los Angeles by late Sunday night. The Chiefs clinch the number one seed with the win over Cincinnati, plus a Titans loss to the Dolphins. 
The Titans, meanwhile, can clinch an AFC South title with a win or a Colts loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. We mentioned the the Bengals can clinch the AFC North. The Colts, they clinch a playoff spot with a win. Meanwhile, the Bills, 49ers, and Patriots, plus the Eagles, can all clinch a playoff berth with a win plus some help. That's a lot to digest, Courtney, but the bottom line is that with two weeks left in the regular season, we've still got plenty left to be decided. Perhaps no division race more thrilling than the AFC North. That's Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So we're just off and running right now on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. We talked about the pro level, but there's the playoff picture, and then there's the actual playoff. Two teams will move on, but only one can make history. That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com morning code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy this show is sponsored by better help a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time So what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go visit your parents, hang out with friends and catch a movie? They're all solid options, but what about devoting time to yourself? Maybe taking up a personal hobby you've put off. With everything in your life that you handle, work, picking the kids up from school, running errands, you never really get enough me time. The best way to squeeze that time into your schedule is to first understand your own personal value and then make yourself a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Prioritizing mental health is an important part of my life. Let BetterHelp empower you to be the best version of yourself and guide you along the journey of becoming a better you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. We're back on Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. It's Field Yates and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys. And Keyshawn J. Will and Max are presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We'll have plenty throughout the day. So, Courtney, today is a big day. It's not just the final day of 2021. It is the first day of the college football playoff for this college football season. And we have something of a David versus Goliath matchup in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl as number one Alabama. That's familiar, right? They've been ranked 
They have been in every single college football playoff ranking week. Alabama has been ranked. Cincinnati, meanwhile, is new to the party. They are the first non-Power 5 team to play in the college football playoff. They are the fourth-ranked team in the country. They're the only undefeated team in the country. It's a big upset if they win tonight. We'll tell you about how big of an upset it is. But before we get to that, let's get to the how. And here's what Joey Galloway thinks about how Cincinnati can try to pull off the stunner today. They have to get pressure on Bryce Young. I mean, we, we watch Auburn do it. Uh, we watch Texas A&M do it. Uh, we watch LSU do it. Uh, where they pressured Bryce Young and did not allow him to get comfortable in the pocket. They made their offense, uh, you know, have to find other ways to beat their defense. I think Cincinnati has to do the same thing. So follow the Iron Bowl recipe seems to be Joey's thought on how Cincinnati can win. Courtney, let me ask you this, just sort of speaking generally and zooming out for a second. What do you think the significance would be of Cincinnati pulling off the upset and validating their spot in the playoffs? Yeah, well, we had Sean Kelly, who's on ESPN Radio for the call, on Barton Hahn yesterday morning, yesterday afternoon, and we were talking about that that phrase, David versus Goliath, and we can turn it into a really fun drinking game tonight because you know how many times that this thing is going to be mentioned. Um, it's going to be pretty interesting. You might be pretty buzzed after that and celebrating your new year that way. But, no, I mean, it would be incredibly significant because you have Alabama, and you know what happens every year when we get to the stage, even if it is a quote-unquote down year for this Alabama offense. They might not be as explosive as they've been in previous years, which is absolutely wild to think about. I remember that Arkansas game where Bryce Young set the single-game passing record at Alabama, a game where their defense also gave up a bunch of yards to Arkansas. And we're still talking about this Alabama offense just doesn't have it. The run game isn't as good as in previous years. They're averaging 4.1 yards per carry. Like, we get so caught up in if it's not the Alabama of old that's steamrolling teams just because they lost to Texas A&M earlier this year. And like you said, Auburn took them to four overtimes. Like, I just – we look, the, the, there's so much nuance in that conversation that I think is overlooked here. But by and large, I mean, of course, it'd be huge if Cincinnati's able to pull off the upset win here over the Crimson Tide because it's SEC versus Cincinnati, the, the first non-Power 5 team that was able to get into the college football playoff. Like They could do something that no other team of their stature has been able to do before. So, of course, history books. We'll be talking about one versus four, Cincinnati slaying the dragon. That is another you know, another reference that we could probably have a drinking game out of. Um, that would be Alabama. But it's it would change the conversation, I think, of what happens when we get to January where we see teams go through the regular season, have awesome years, and then they get pitted against Alabama. And what typically happens? They get blown out. Mm. The games are not fun. They're boring at that point in the national championship. You can't just write Alabama's ticket to the national title this year, I think, because of the other teams that are a part of this picture. And honestly, I hope that we're not just going to be upset again with you know the same the same rhetoric playing out all week long. Like, yeah, Cincinnati has a chance. All these other teams we've talked about in the college football playoff era, we're kind of in that same category. Yeah, I think this is something of a tipping point for college football tonight because there have been previous teams, whether it was UCF just a couple of years ago, who claimed their own national championship even yep. if they didn't make it into the college football playoff. And there will be more examples like Cincinnati and UCF going forward. Cincinnati's the first that actually got a ticket to the dance. If they win tonight, then the committee has no choice 
but to be that much more mindful mm-hmm. of UCF's of the future, of Cincinnati's of the future. If this is not a close game tonight, then Cincinnati and uh, future versions of Cincinnati may have no chance, right? Like yeah. we could have a conversation where rather than the committee turning to an undefeated Cincinnati team as the fourth spot in tonight's college football playoff. Instead, it would be Ohio State, who even though they lost to Michigan late in the season, was throughout the year considered one of the four best teams. Maybe they get a ticket back into the dance with two losses and no conference championship. So it feels like a significant moment for not just Cincinnati, but the sport at large. And of course, a big part of Cincinnati's success is their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, who's going to play on Sunday's next season but Cincinnati is hoping Desmond Ritter can get in the zone early and get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone get in the zone AutoZone I thought that it was interesting to look at ESPN.com's rankings of the top 25 players in the college football playoff and look at all four of those rosters and said how many from each roster make the top 25 and Cincinnati actually has four of those top 25 players Courtney and you and I again normally make our bones on Sundays when we are watching football games at NFL stadiums and I think Desmond Ritter's got a chance tonight to really stamp his mark because we're now about to turn the page into the draft season and Desmond Ritter has a chance tonight on the biggest stage in college football or I suppose the second biggest stage other than the national championship to prove he is the best quarterback in this class what a moment for him ahead yeah I mean think about the decision for him to come back and all of that that's paid off because the quarterback class that he's a part of this year vastly different than the one that he would have been a part of last year had he left so you know, 30 touchdowns, 3,190 yards, just eight interceptions this season. Those are really good numbers, and it gives him a chance now to cement himself on the biggest stage. Like, think about Justin Jefferson, for example, and what he did in the college football playoff in 2000, the 2019 season, where he's you know setting bowl game records, having an unbelievable season. Like, he jumped his stock, and granted, he's a receiver, not a quarterback, but he jumped his draft stock from being a second-round pick because everybody thought, oh, he can't play outside the slot, to being the fifth receiver taken and the best receiver, as we found out in 2020, the NFL season, the best receiver in that class. You can do so much for yourself as far as improving your potential, your future earnings, where you go in the draft, by what you do in these college football playoff semifinal games. In field, if he got into the national championship – from the story itself, a 13-0 record this season, the only undefeated team left in this field. And if he even got to the national championship, I think that maybe he's a first-round pick. What do you think? Yeah, he'll be a first-round pick if they make it to the national championship. Maybe if they don't as well, by the mm-hmm. way. ESPN's Todd McShay and also Mel Kuyper Jr. have talked about him as a top 32 player in this year's draft. Mel's especially bullish on Desmond Ritter. But tonight is one of those moments that just sort of solidifies his stock that much further. As you mentioned, Justin Jefferson, he only had 14 catches and four touchdowns in that college football playoff (laughs) semifinal against Oklahoma a couple of years ago. And a reminder that if you're figuring out or trying to figure out how you're going to shape your day up to watch or listen to the games here, here's the good news. The college football playoff is indeed here. And tune in today for the college football semifinals, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, followed by the Capital One Orange Bowl, and coverage begins at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So a big weekend of sports ahead here, not just in the pro ranks, the college ranks, excuse me, but also in the pro ranks, because on ESPN tonight we have those two college football games. And then on Monday, it's Steelers and Browns on ESPN and potentially 
the end of an era in Pittsburgh. We'll tell you what that means. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. Back here on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, Phil Yates and Courtney Cronin hanging in for the guys on the final day of 2021. And Monday, Courtney could be the final game, at least played in Pittsburgh, of Ben Roethlisberger's career. As just yesterday, Ben Roethlisberger addressed reporters and had this to say about what Monday could mean. You know, looking at the bigger picture, I would say that all signs are pointing to this This could be it. Regular season, that is. We, I know we still have a, a chance to potentially get a playoff game there if things fall our way and we take care of business and things have to happen. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, in terms of regular seasons, um, signs are pointing that way. This could be it. So, Courtney, a lot to get to here. And not that this news is necessarily surprising. About a month ago, Adam Schefter reported that Ben had confided in people that he was planning on retiring after this season. So the writing was on the wall. But yesterday sort of cemented it, made it a little bit more of a formality. I know that there is still football left to be played. And as we said during the last segment, the Steelers can actually still win the AFC North. So we're not ready to put the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, of this year. But as we think about Ben Roethlisberger's career, there are a lot of different tentacles to his legacy. Mm -hmm. And I think we can start on the field because there's a thoughtful conversation about off the field as well. But on the field, Ben Roethlisberger, what he has accomplished with the Steelers has been really nothing short of remarkable. He is bound for the Pro Football Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt in that. I mean, think about all the things that he's accomplished and where that franchise has gone since he was drafted. I mean, all of the years of his time in the NFL have been spent in Pittsburgh since he was drafted in 2004. So, I mean, there are a lot of people right now who are irritated just at the way that things have gone with Roethlisberger the last couple of years, thinking that maybe him staying around in 2021 set the franchise back a couple of years just in terms of how they could have gotten involved in the quarterback mix last year and what their options are post-Ben Roethlisberger in 2000, after the 2021 season. Um, but his legacy is cemented as one of the most important Pittsburgh Steelers ever in this franchise's history, a very storied franchise, a franchise that's won a lot of Super Bowls. He's been part of one. Like, I mean, that's that's where it starts on the field. I know these last year, few years have not been great and not yielded what I think people would have expected of other quarterbacks that we've seen go into the final years of their 30s and they've still had success. Ben's been dealing with injuries since, you know, 
2019 season, he had that elbow uh, reconstructive surgery this year alone, hip injury, pectoral injury, right shoulder injury. I think because of the decline that we're seeing in him physically and what that's yielded this season, they're seven, seven and one. You're right. They can still get into the postseason. They can still win the AFC North, which is just like the wild thing. But they can also be eliminated from postseason contention this week. Now, it would take a lot of scenarios if they if they lose and Baltimore wins or they lose and Vegas wins and they lose, the Chargers win, and if they lose and Miami wins. Like, there's a lot of things there that would put them out of postseason contention. But like Ben Roethlisberger said, and he hedged in that soundbite, you know, it's the last regular, potentially the last regular season game at Heinz Field that we'll see him play. And that's going to be a special moment. Like, whether they get into the postseason or not, he deserves a send-off because of all of the stability that he was a part of there that in, you know, on the field in, in Pittsburgh for a ton of years, his entire NFL career that spanned two decades. Like, that's really something that I don't think that you can look past. Yeah, and stability is an interesting word to choose because 18 years is how long Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. plays for the Pittsburgh – will have played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Courtney. And if you look at players that started their career with one franchise and finished their career with that exact same franchise without ever having changed teams, Ben Roethlisberger will have the longest tenure for a quarterback Ever Obviously, Tom Brady played 20 years with the Patriots, but he's now a Buccaneer. Ben, from start to finish, a Pittsburgh Steeler. And I thought that yesterday, as so I put that, that, that note out on Twitter, and I thought that it generated an interesting sort of cross-section of responses, and I thought it was kind of emblematic of the legacy that Ben Roethlisberger has that extends not just on the football field, but off the football field as well, Courtney. As Steelers fans, the reverence came out in droves yesterday. I mean, this was an emotional moment for Steelers fans, and Monday night is going to be one win or lose for Steelers fans because Ben Roethlisberger has been all many Steelers fans have known. I mean, 18 years. Kids who are going to college next year that are Steelers fans have only known Ben Roethlisberger as their starting quarterback. But part of the story of Ben Roethlisberger's NFL career is also some things that took place off the field that tainted his his character and his resume. Ben Roethlisberger was, uh, had two separate sexual assault cases, one of which was settled out of court and one of which did not result in any charges. He also had a motorcycle accident back in 2006 following a Super Bowl victory that ended up not costing him any time on the field, but was a scary and notable accident. So I think the Ben Roethlisberger story extends beyond the football field as well. How much does that weave into the fabric of his football journey? I think it always will. Because, I mean, we talked about this with Kobe Bryant, too. Sure. Even even after, I mean, not right in the immediate aftermath, but after he passed and we're trying to, you know, surmise what he meant to us in the sports world, but also like the, the bigger picture of society. And I think his star power is different than a Ben Roethlisberger star power. But you have to tell the full story. Like, you can't leave certain things out. There's on the field and then there's off the field. There's success on the field. There's success off the field, on the field, and then there's bad things that happen on the field, and then there's bad things that happen off the field. Like, human beings are not perfect. And what the things that he was accused of, and I know I read uh, Bruce Arian's quarterback book last year right after the Super Bowl, and he was his quarterback's coach in Pittsburgh for some time, and he didn't actually talk too much about that in the book, which I think that bothered me. And that's what a lot of people sometimes do when we're trying to look at somebody at the end of their career and be like, let's just remember them for what they did on the field. Let's forget about all the other stuff for now. We'll get to it at some point. I don't think that's the fair way to approach this. I think that when you look at Ben Roethlisberger, 
it's the same thing with the on the field stuff right now. We're not going to remember him for the fact that he cannot move and he cannot throw the ball. We're not going to remember him for this 2021 season. We're going to look at all the other years of his career. We're going to look at the year that he was a, you know, two years that he won Super Bowls in 2000 in six, and what's the other one that they won? Uh, 2010. Years. 10, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to remember those things just as the same in the same vein that we remember maybe he played a little bit too long. We need to keep that in the conversation, too, of the stuff that happened off the field because that's still part of your legacy. That's still part of the overarching thing. Like, this guy's going to go to Canton someday. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind about that. But it's not like these other things didn't happen. Uh, 2009, my bad, on the second Super Bowl for Ben Roethlisberger. You're right. And uh, I think that you know they're going to have to be discussed and they're going to have – they will forever, forever be remembered as part of Ben, Ro- ben Roethlisberger's legacy. Uh, he did, I think, evolve as a human, Courtney, which it's not that you can evolve and we all of a sudden dismiss the significance of what took place in your past, but it's something that we hope for and expect out of people when they are given a second chance – in 2013, Ben Roethlisberger was named the Pittsburgh Steelers Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominee, which is the NFL's highest honor at an individual level in terms of reflecting your football and personal character. So it does seem like Ben made a concerted effort to learn from his second mistake, which I know some people are saying, like, not everybody is lucky enough to earn a second chance. Sure. But it feels like Ben Roethlisberger tried to. It seems like he has evolved as an individual and as a man and from a football perspective plus a character perspective, it may, be, it may be a complicated legacy, but 20 years or nearly 20 years, Courtney, I think what you're going to find is that when you have that much football and life behind you, people are going to kind of choose what side they want to be on, right? That seemed to be what I thought, saw yesterday. And I know the Twitter mentions are not reflective of the entirety of society, but it seemed like yesterday that was what you had, was that there was this great divide. You know, it's Steelers fans who will mostly miss Ben Roethlisberger and then others that can't move past some of the stuff that took took place in the past. And that is completely their prerogative. I think that it's – honestly, I think that there's it's great that there's a divide between the fan base in the, sen- in the sense where you don't have everybody lumped into putting the blinders up and saying football only. That's the only thing we're going to be focusing on when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger and remembering his legacy. Remember the person as a whole. Remember everything that he did, the good on the field, the bad off the field the bad on the field the good off the field like he's a complete person it doesn't mean that he was the same person when he was drafted in 2004 to where he got you know to where he is now um you know that that that's the thing that bothers me where we act like people can't learn from mistakes and yes the stuff that's associated with him is egregious like two sexual separate sexual assault cases one that you said uh was settled one that never made it to to trial or you know really became anything like, we have to continue to look at these people and realize that they're human beings. And a lot of people make mistakes. And a lot of people do things that are just not good character things to do. But does that mean that that, ha- that we can't – that can't be part of the conversation if we're remembering the whole picture of him? I just – I think people have to hard times figuring out what box to put those things in. It's like, okay, we're talking about the fact that he was a two-time Super Bowl champion and, you know, a six-time Pro Bowler. Well then, where do we put the other stuff? Right. Like it's just it's like it's like we only have a finite amount of time to talk about it. So, how if you're talking in one sentence, how would you define him? Like, does that fit into that one sentence? For a lot of people, it probably doesn't. It's probably an anecdote. It's probably you know a, a footnote in his in his legacy. But it needs to be there nonetheless. Yeah, they're both part of his legacy, and yet it feels to some people like it's probably two separate conversations. Mm-hmm. 
On the football side, Courtney, yeah, I, don't, I don't ever want to just bring up the football side to diminish the importance of some of the other stuff. But sure. on the football side, six Pro Bowl opportunities for Ben Roethlisberger, as we mentioned, two separate Super Bowl wins. He became the only player in NFL history to throw six touchdown passes in back-to-back games. At his very best, Ben was really, truly one of the greatest players the league has seen over the past 18 years. Part of this historic 2004 draft class, which also included, of course, Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers, Big Ben, and Eli each get two Super Bowls to their resume. Ben still has a chance, even if it's a distant and outside chance, of a third one right now. Philip Rivers retires. He'll go to Canton one day as well, as certainly he was amongst the best players during his incredible career with both the Chargers and then finally with the Colts, which almost continued this week, right, as the Colts actually put in a call to Philip Rivers this week. <laughs> With Carson Wentz currently on the following, COVID-19. Following yes. suit with what the Saints did last week, trying to get Drew Brees to come back, and he realized very quickly, and they realized very quickly that wasn't going to happen. I like this trend where everybody's trying to, you know, dip back into the good old days for, for one last one last shot. You know, Peyton and Eli have been off for the past few weeks from their mm-hmm. Monday Night Football broadcast. Maybe they've just been training, getting ready in case some team <laughs> calls them up, saying, like, you know, the Giants have been down – to their third-string quarterback in recent games. Perhaps they should be giving Eli a buzz to see whether or not he might have one more game left in him. So we're asking on the Dr. Pepper Twitter, Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Key, J and Max, the Steelers quarterback in 2022 will be, and we fill in the blank from there, be a part of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here, and fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Courtney, we're now going to go out and be joined by uh, Jerry Fowler, who is our one of our NFL insiders here at ESPN, does a great job at that. Prior to this, one of his stops was covering the Pittsburgh Steelers for ESPN. And Jeremy, good morning to you. When you think about the legacy of Ben Roethlisberger and what he leaves behind, which will conclude after this season, where does it start? Yeah, good morning, Field. Good morning, Courtney. And, you know, it starts with one of the most unique quarterbacks we've ever seen in the game. We we know he's going to be a Hall of Famer, one of the best players in Steelers history. But I just remember a guy who was Listed at 240 pounds, probably even bigger than that, six foot five, but could move like a five foot ten quarterback early in his career, um, just shrugging guys off him, throwing from the pocket on the move. Like a, a lot of what we see from quarterbacks now in the modern game, Roethlisberger was sort of doing 15, 16 years ago, and, and he kept it up for the most part. You know, he, he had the era where he won the Super Bowls, uh, and then he became a 5,000 yard passer with Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and all these weapons. Like he was able to constantly evolve with the game until the end and so I just see like kind of the the ultimate hybrid quarterback option you know he could really do a little bit of everything was never just the the pure prototypical passer Uh, to, to me he was more than that there were signs last year in spite of that 11 game win streak to start the season that Ben Roethlisberger Jeremy was probably nearing the end of his career So they bring him back this year. They restructure the contract, the whole thing. And there are going to be fans who said, hey, the Steelers wasted a year in doing that and set themselves back in terms of the future at the quarterback position. What's the do they have a like a legit valid argument there? Well, it depends on what they do this offseason. I think we'll sort of cement their their argument, Courtney, because it. 
on paper, it looks like they don't have a plan. And it, it looks like they should have had at least something in motion when you had a deep quarterback draft class last year. You know, you had some quarterbacks out there potentially available. Um, but, you know, I think they saw something coming where they could strike here soon, whether it's, you know, around March or on free agency time or around the draft. Um, you know, they, they've been plotting here. You know, there are whispers that Mike Tomlin wants a veteran quarterback coming out of Ben Roethlisberger's era, um, you know, somebody he can continue to win with. This is not a place that typically rebuilds or even retools. They want to be in the playoff mix every year. And so, you know, you talk to people around the league, they might throw out like a Matt Ryan type name, uh, but it's there's no solidified plan because they really haven't shown it other than drafting Mason Rudolph a few years back. And so, um, you know, they knew Roethlisberger's skill set was declining. You know, when they asked him to take a pay cut, uh, that was a pretty obvious sign. Last year, you rarely see, see that from a franchise quarterback. And so I, I just think they thought, look, with, with Roethlisberger, he's better than our options right now still. We can still win games with them. They're still in the playoff hunt with two weeks left. And so they figured, let's just get through this year, and then they can make a major move. So, you know, this is a team that I, I tend to give the benefit of the doubt because of that and because they've always had a, a plan. Uh, but right now it has not shown. So there, there's certainly reason for skepticism. Yeah, and Jeremy, I think what you mentioned about Matt Ryan, I think is probably one of the potential themes of this offseason is veteran quarterback trades. So we figure the names like Russell Wilson and Deshaun yeah. Watson, Aaron Rodgers will be amongst the candidates that we'll mention or hypothesize will be cr- traded this offseason. How alluring do you think the Steelers' organization would be to some of those quarterbacks because – if they are traded, they're also going to have some influence over where they end up. Yeah, no doubt. And you would think Pittsburgh would be an attractive place for certain quarterbacks because of the mystique. And, you know, you, it, it's a stable culture. Uh, you know, good quarterbacks are typically drawn to that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, there are just so many wild cards with like a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, early signs of them wanting to be in certain locations, certain markets, whether it's Miami or New York. And so that, that's an extra layer to all this, you know, Pittsburgh's typically not included uh, in that conversation. And a lot of this field is going to depend on how they feel about the draft. You know, Pittsburgh typically picks on the bottom half of the first round. This year, there's no slam dunk that, that you're going to really get a guy that that you can build around. You know, it's considered widely around the league to be a weak quarterback class. But if they love, say, you know, Pitts, Kenny Pickett, a guy that they share a building with literally for the last three or four years, or, or another quarterback that maybe they just feel like, okay, this guy is uh, undervalued like we can get them in the, the late first round or even early second round uh, and really believe in them and, and, and build on them then uh, you know that that could be the move you know they they uh, tend to target one or two guys that they really like in the quarterback class each year when they drafted Mason Rudolph it was him you know they like Josh Rosen they liked a couple guys so you know that that could be part of the process this year I'm sure they'll take a very hard look at the very least at all those players uh, Jeremy, uh, great stuff there on Big Ben, and we'll continue to talk about him throughout the day. But it's time now for us to play a quick game of hot news or not news. In a 24-hour news cycle, everything feels like news. Yeah, it's not news at all. Let's find out what's hot news or not news. Key, well, you tell me. Is this hot news or oh, not news? You're so scary. You're going to throw it to me. <laughs> all right, now for a little game of hot news or not news. And we just talked about Ben Roethlisberger and his potential final home game on Monday. On Sunday, we could have the last home game for Russell Wilson as he was vague on his future and said yep. he hopes Sunday won't be his last home game with the Seattle Seahawks. Jeremy, I'll start with you. Was that hot news or not news? <laughs> this is hot news, Phil. We just talked about quarterbacks and, and through the prism of the Steelers. Uh, Russell Wilson, to me, is continuously underplayed. 
you know, this is a guy whose agent listed potential teams he would go to in a trade publicly to our Adam Schefter uh, during the offseason. Like, you rarely see that. This is so out in the open. The Seahawks had looked at trading him really uh, on the low key for a few years now. And with the losing, th this is just something that's going to come to a head. I think it's major news, uh, even more so than any other quarterback situation. I know we love to talk about Aaron Rodgers. This one is big. This one, to me, has more, maybe a better chance uh, of happening of him being in a different jersey next year. I just I think there are going to be some sweepstakes involved here, and the table is set. Big news. Courtney, hot news or not news in your opinion on Russell Wilson, the potential of being traded this offseason? Yeah, I think because it's a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be in Seattle anymore, considering they've been terrible this year. The news that you know feel or that uh, Jeremy had talked about coming out last year when his agent leaks that he wants to either go to the Giants the Denver Broncos or the New Orleans Saints and would waive his no trade clause in order to get there. To me, the writing's been on the wall. I was surprised that this didn't happen during the offseason. So I don't think him saying this is all that much of news. He just doesn't want to be labeled as like the bad guy for being like, yeah, like I'm pretty much checked out of here. My team's won. Uh, you know, we've lost nine games at this point. Like I I'm ready to think about next year. Like he's saying all the right PC things that he has to say, but I think he's out of there, and we've all thought he's been out of there for a year now. All right, so we go from Seattle to another quarterback in Baltimore as Lamar Jackson did not practice on Thursday after he was seen practicing on Wednesday but with a pronounced limp. Courtney, I'll start with you. Hot news or not news that he was unavailable on Thursday? Hot news because we saw what that limp was, and that was not just a pronounced limp. That was like a noticeable gait in his step <laughs> when he's scurrying across the practice field, and now we've got to wonder about Tyler Huntley is coming off the COVID list. He probably will be the guy to start in that game against the Rams. But does that give you any better of a chance to beat that pass rush? I'm not so sure. Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, hot news. We're talking about a top-tier quarterback that's going to be out looking like the third straight week. Um, wasn't playing particularly well before then. And so, you know, we talk a lot about the Browns and Baker Mayfield and him not coming through in what could be sort of a de facto contract year. Mm -hmm. uh, Jackson is in a similar situation. And though, you know, he's a former MVP, he's got more clout in the game, will probably get a long-term deal done with the Ravens at some point. Um, you know, this is not the way he wanted to end this season. Uh, can, I mean, he might not even be back next week. We just don't know yet. So I, I think this is major news, um, you know, for a guy who's worked himself into the conversation among the best. And, you know, Baltimore is just a, a team that's reeling that we're not used to see in this sort of situation. Jeremy, great stuff as always. You can find Jeremy all over ESPN Airwaves throughout the day today. Enjoy the weekend. Happy New Year, Jeremy. We'll talk to you in 2022. Hey, Happy New Year, Field and Courtney. Thanks. Thank you. That's Jeremy Fowler on the Goodyear Hotline. So we're just getting started. One hour down with three to go here. And the Packers are two wins away from the home field playoffs. Home field in the playoffs again. But can anyone beat them in Lambeau? We'll tell you that next here on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max, the podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.